Welcome back. This is Survived with Sophie and Lexi. We started telling our survive story in college and we are moving on to bring you guys more through many different topics. And we had a little bit of microphone difficulties before starting this episode. So hopefully that doesn't happen during the episode. If so, we apologize. Just file a complaint with the supervisor. Which is us. (laughs) (laughs) And we will respond. (laughs) Just let us know if anything is a little funky today. Yeah. Anywho, today we are back on the cases. And the reason why we picked this particular case is because the incident happened on July 4th and 5th. It was like the morning of July 5th. Um, And today we are recording on July 5th, even though this episode is going to be out for you guys to listen to on July 7th, this Friday. But I thought just because the big holiday in the United States um, just came out, you know, July 4th yesterday, be a good one to go through. Just has a little connection there. So we're going to Happy gonna 4th. Be... Yeah. <laughs> Happy 4th to everyone who celebrates. Had a good, uh, hope everyone had a good 4th. Mm-hmm. Saw some good fireworks. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. And this week's topic is going to be the survivor story of Whitney Bennett. And if you do not know, she, we were also going to be talking about the Night Stalker. I was going to do a whole nother sentence there, but the person who attacked her was the Night Stalker. And this is the survivor. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't know why I said that so dramatically. Well, Whitney is a survivor, so. Also, I have vacation brain right now, so that's why my brain's... I'm not going to lie. If any, if everybody had off the last few days, it's going to be rough trying to get mm-hmm. back into the work schedule all over again. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Lexi, would you like to take it away? I can. So, about Richard Perez who is also known as the Night Stalker. He was an active serial killer between 1894, April, April. I cannot believe I just said April as in 1894. This is what I mean when we have a little bit of brain fog. (laughs) I like said that so confidently. (laughs) Okay, let me try that again. He was an active serial killer between April of 1984 and of August of 1985 with the San Francisco and L.A. area in California. He used to have more than a dozen victims that are deceased and even more that were injured. Ramirez was named the Night Stalker because he would break into people's homes at night, and he was also known as the Valley Intruder. Mm-hmm. And from people not from the United States, I feel like there's areas in California where they call the valley 
you know, people refer to some girls called Valley Girls, you know, in California. So, like, that's why the name The Valley Intruder came about as well. But the most active areas he was known in was the Los Angeles area and the San Francisco area during those times, which are very huge cities, by the way. So that's, you know, crazy that he was never caught until we will get to the part of where, but this upcoming night we'll talk about. (laughs) So our case is about Whitney Bennett. And on the afternoon of July 4th, 1985, Whitney's father was receiving a telephone call And Whitney opened her bedroom window, like always, to call out to her father, who was just doing some yard work outside. And to have him come in, you know, and answer the telephone. And 16-year-old Whitney closed her window, but she was in a rush to hang out out with her friends that evening for the 4th of July festivities. And she forgot to lock her window. She and her family felt safe, though, at their remote Sierra Madre home. But sadly, that would all change. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. This is so sad. So this is a trigger warning for anybody that does not do well with violence. Excuse me. Whitney came home after visiting all of her friends and had called into bed. During the night, Ramirez, also known as a night stalker, entered the room through the unlocked window in Whitney's bedroom. He then started to beat Whitney with a weapon, then went into the kitchen to find a knife, but he couldn't find one. Ramirez was beginning to become frantic as Whitney was attempting to cry out for help. He grabbed a telephone cord and tried to strangle her with it, but it didn't work. It, the telephone cord began to break and spark, and Ramirez let go of it. Whitney began to breathe again and called out for her parents, and that was when Ramirez left the scene, leaving behind a tire iron, which was later determined to be the whip weapon that he beat Whitney with. Ooh. Oh. Oh. In a clear footprint on the floor, he grabbed her jewelry, ransacked her bedroom before he took off, took off as well. She was taken to the hospital where she needed 500 stitches to her head, mm-hmm. cosmetic surgery, but thankfully she was able to fully recover from all of them. Yes, and I will say there was some contradicting uh, articles that I was reading about the footprint that was left. Some people said it was on the floor, and then some people said it was on Whitney's uh, bed, like, comforter on top of her bed. So, if we say on top of the bed or on her comforter or on the floor, that's just because I think every article says it was placed differently. So, I think it gets, like, really confusing, especially with talking about, like, cases like this, because there's so many news outlets. So it's like, what's Mm -hmm. right? What's actually not right? And there was incidents where, so obviously Whitney was attacked and she was hit in the head. And we're going to talk about her testifying in court. But a lot of this, she doesn't remember. These are only the parts that she could maybe grab from her memory after a couple years. 
and working with specialists and everything. So we don't know if this is really exactly what happened or not. Because if you're hitting on the head like that, you know, your memory can just go and you, you know, you have that amnesia and everything. So that and your brain won't let you remember certain things. Yeah. Traumatic events. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. We do. (laughs) Well, I think it's just so interesting when we first started this podcast because that was the first time that we had talked about our story and we both even were like I don't remember that but now like once of once one of us would say it we're like oh my gosh yeah that actually happened but mm-hmm. our brain would just forget about it because some things would be traumatizing for you and some things would be traumatizing for me and it was like it was just so interesting to see how that works yeah and another thing I think it's interesting how you know he thought he was going to you know kill her with this telephone cord however it began to start breaking so then he decided to just cut his losses and leave but evidently you know she began to breathe again and stay alive which then in turn she could testify against him putting him away but he took that chance which i'm glad he did to keep whitney alive yeah Because I feel like without survivors, I mean... Some of these people are just never caught. I know. Mm Mm-hmm. However, so we're going to just fast forward a little bit. So that was just the entirety of kind of what happened. There wasn't too much detail, but you get the gist, I guess, (laughs) on kind of what happened to her um, during that time. And I can't even imagine having that happen, you know... At your house with your parents. At your house with your parents where you feel safe. And especially on a very fun night, you know, where everyone's out celebrating, having fun. And, you know, that's where, that's like the time, you know, the best time in summer. Everyone's just out doing their thing. But, yeah, that'd be really scary. But we're going to fast forward into 1989. Four years later, and now Whitney is 20 years old, Whitney was able to testify in court against Ramirez. She stated to the court that she had visited friends that night in La Canada and in La Crescenta. Those might be in California. I'm not sure. (laughs) That's a lot of, yeah, I don't know, a lot of loves. Mm-hmm. She said she noticed nothing unusual upon returning home shortly before 1 a.m. She changed into her nightgown and eventually fell asleep on her bed with a light on. Her parents had their own friends over that night, and they already had gone to bed when she got home. The next thing she remembered was waking up with a terrible headache in her darkened bedroom, which had been ransacked. The telephone cord had been cut. She screamed for her parents, but could only make her way to the hallway before sinking to the floor and just kind of everything went black. Oh my goodness. She also was very like upset in court while having to testify and seeing all of the crime scene photos. Kind of like you just said before, I think, you know, seeing those photos sparked more memories And it all started to come back for her, kind of what happened. And I know that is probably the worst 
and the hardest thing a victim will have to do. But having her testify helped with the case against Ramirez. I mean, even though she couldn't remember a whole lot, I feel like she still made a impact on this case overall. Mm-hmm. And at the time, she was 16. Like, I can't imagine being that young and having that happen to me. I uh, know. And then having to wait four more years until, you know, you have to bring this back up into your life again and testify against the person and see them again. And look at them straight in the face, knowing that they're enjoying it. Yeah. So we're going to kind of go back to before the trial. Um, And how was Richard Ramirez caught? So police detectives later found a bloody shoe print on um, Bennett's door comforter. Not door. I don't know why I said door. Comforter (laughs) is the word. It's anywhere. Honestly, no. (laughs) (laughs) The The distinctive print also turned up at many other Night Stalker crime scenes. One such bloody shoe print was found on the left cheek of Joyce L. Nelson, who was another victim. A Monterey Park woman who was found beaten and strangled in her own home after the day, um, two days after Whitney had been attacked by him. Wow. That was, yeah, that was quick. That was a really fast turnaround. I feel like the turnaround time period isn't usually... Two days. Yeah. Yeah, so he attacked Whitney and then went to somebody's other lady's house and attacked her. Goodness. This print that was left connected um, on Whitney's with the other victims' cases went cold. So, um, Ramirez... So, basically, that print was, like, the smoking gun evidence. And that was the one that connected all these random attacks or break-ins because it would look like a break-in and he would ransack the bedroom or ransack the kitchen or living room or whatever room and steal something or jewelry. And I believe, if we didn't say it already, Whitney had all of her jewelry stolen, too. And that was never retrieved for her, which is kind of sad, but... They tried to make it look like it was a break-in gone wrong, but obviously he was just trying to kill people, which is terrible. They um, connected him with uh, finding prints on a stolen car. So he used that print, like the shoe print on the stolen car. Oh, wow. They were able to connect him. From that, because he was obviously an immigrant, and when you are an immigrant, you're on file for everything. Like, everything. Mm -hmm. And releasing, so they were able to connect it all together, released a mugshot, and I think this is the coolest part. Ramirez was apprehended after he was subdued by a group of resident males, and they beat him until the cops could step in. Like, they had to take all of these guys off of him. Wow. To get to him because he was, they cornered him and just went after him. So, I mean, 
He probably got a lot more in jail, but. Yeah. Honestly. Well, they probably were like, well, what do we do to keep him here? Nope. Who knows? I mean, he wasn't a big man. He was small. Yeah. So when you have a bunch of guys all just circling around you. Exactly. That is crazy. Well, yeah, he was caught because all these guys were just beating him up. Honestly, go men. <laughs> for that incident, yes. Go men for that one incident. <laughs> and Richard Ramirez, at the time, I believe he was 29, he was found guilty of all of his charges, which included 13 murders and 11 sexual assaults. And he died from cancer, actually, while on death row on June 7th, 2013. So he was obviously sentenced to prison for multiple felonies. And he went on death row, but died on death row. Which, I believe that's the common theme for people yeah. on death row. Because so. doesn't it take a while to get the drugs because pharmaceutical companies don't want to be connected to killing people there's something where it just takes forever and then they appeal you know to get more time and you know they can just keep appealing so unless it's like and the court says no so it honestly just depends interesting mm-hmm So, Richard is dead to this day, but he was 81. Well, thank goodness he's gone. Yep. So, Whitney Bennett now, um, what is she doing? Where is she? Um, She is one of the Los Angeles detectives who was very important in bringing Ramirez to the justice system. Named Frank Salerno, hopefully I said that right, after spending more than 30 years on the force, his squad threw him a retirement party in August of 1993. This party included hundreds of people, such as friends, family, people from past cases, including Whitney Bennett. Um, Whitney was able to meet the detective's son during this party. They exchanged their numbers, began dating, and eventually got married. That's so cute. Oh, my goodness. It all worked out for her. Isn't that crazy? One of her detectives on her own case, his younger son, is now her husband. Like, that is crazy to me how that works out. It's kind of like how life all gets together. I think that's just so cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And even though, like, this whole incident that happened to her was awful, and I'm betting every day she was like, I wish this never happened to me, but then it would have never brought her to her future husband. Nope. I mean, things happen for a reason, and I don't mean to say that in a way where this happened to her for a reason. Mm -hmm. But it brought her down to see him. Yeah. And she survived. Woohoo! She survivor. Is a survivor. Whoop whoop. 
Yeah. That would be crazy. I'm glad the Night Stalker is no longer as well. No, he, if you guys look up a picture of him, he, like, gives me a very weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And before we got on the air, and before we got on the air here, me and Lexi were just kind of talking. I was thinking that I've heard this case before or heard of the Night Stalker, but I think there's just similarities between the Night Stalker and the railroad guy that we talked about in the Holly Dunn case. Just the fact that like hiding, or maybe it was a different case, but I feel like there was a lot of similarities between this case and another one that we might have spoken about before. And I just thought that was crazy. I thought we were going to do like a double by accident, but we aren't. So. Yeah, because the railroad killer, he was also from Mexico, such as, I don't know if Richard Ramirez was or not. I think he was. I think that's how they, yeah, that's how he was because that's how they connected him to everything. But um, his name was like what, Rafael Ramirez? Yeah, r- yep. Rafael or Angel Ramirez. I think he went by like Rafael in the States and then Angel or flip flopped. I don't know. And he would jump on the train and come over into America. Mm-hmm. But I think he, Richard, lived in, he was only in um, California area. Yeah. That's probably why, because they had the same last name. That was tripping mm-hmm. me up. I was like, is this the same guy? But it's not. To- two totally different guys haven't yeah. had the same last name, and both happen to be serial killers. Crazy. So if any of our listeners are out there, and they have the last name of Ramirez, check yourself. Bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Make, your- make sure you don't go crazy. That's the only advice we have for you. Um... But kind of just bringing it back to the Night Stalker, uh, we have a couple little facts here about him. He was very into satanic crimes if he had time. I did hear about that, too. He was very into Satan. He loved to worship Satan. Um, He never really said why he did any of this. Um, his, he was also infinitely known for taking post-murderous snacks. What? So after he was done murdering his victims, doing unspeakable things, he would go through their kitchen and make food. Are you kidding me? Nope. Like he would help himself. And then just leave. And then someone would find that person hours later. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <sighs> that, this is going to sound kind of weird, but this is kind of like a weird fun fact that I know. Um, the two most common things for a murderer to do after they're done doing the unspeakable thing is taking a poop and eating food. Because half the time they forget to flush the toilet and their DNA is in there. So, hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Gross, but I know. (laughs) Interesting. I know. 
Ugh, like if you think about it. Yeah. Is it? It's and... almost like nervous poops. Like I don't mean to say that like in a really gross, like it is a really gross thing because this mm-hmm. is not what we normally talk about, but. Yeah. We usually don't dive too deep like within the um what's the word? See brain fog again. The killer themselves, but I feel like now that we've gotten two cases with the same last name person that we like have to. I know. Sometimes it's kind of interesting. I mean So, another weird fact, little known fact, the survivors had um, when they were being attacked by the Night Stalker, they would say they don't remember his face, but they remember his teeth because his teeth was so, what's the word, like rotted and... Oh, that was probably so smelly. Yeah. And all the survivors remembered his teeth. By the time he was arrested, um, he had so much high sugar consumption and cocaine use that his entire mouth was just rotted from all of that. He probably never brushed his teeth either. But, like, that's And he lived till 81. He probably right, never brushed his teeth up. in prison either, so that's gross. No. But yeah, they just said they remember, they don't remember what he looked like or anything. They remembered his teeth. That was like a very specific thing about him was his really, really rotten teeth. Distinctive. Yeah. Like, ew. Yeah. I, yeah, ewy. Yuck. Well, nice. Yeah. Is is there like a documentary or something about this whole case? Yes, so there is a documentary out on Netflix called The Night Stalker, which just kind of goes through every single victim, um, because this episode, we just did one of the survivors. I think there's there's more than one of The Night yeah, Stalker, I believe. I think there's more, yeah. I just, we just picked this one. Yeah. We picked Whitney because it happened around July 4th, and that's right now, so it's, you know kind of an anniversary of her survivor story and we're happy to share her story anytime mm-hmm. and i know this week was a little quick and short episode but everyone's getting back into life from the holiday weekend and things like that so i hope everyone had a really safe and fun weekend and that work isn't too hard oh this upcoming week <laughs> honestly because I mean even today like I texted Sophie and I was like hey what are we doing this week for a topic and she goes what do you mean it's Saturday and I was like no no it's not it's not Saturday today I think I can't remember if you said Saturday or not but I thought it was Sunday today it feels like a Sunday I wish it was still Sunday Mm mm-hmm And as always, if you have any stories or cases or funny things that happen to you, message us, let us know, email us. Tell us because you can come on the story and tell, you can come on the podcast and tell your story. 
We haven't had a guest on in a while, but mm-hmm. feel free to message us. If anyone wants to be a guest, we'd love to have you. Please. And follow our Facebook and Instagram if you would like. Yes. We let you know what's going on with the cases every week in our episodes. And we post some cool pictures on there. Mm-hmm. Give you updates. But this has been Survived. With Sophie. And Lexi. Bye. Bye. Tune in next week. Thank you.